0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Tonight I want to talk to you about the issue in your soul of the way in which you manage your anger. Very vital insight. The Bible says when it comes to anger, you shall not kill. Now killing isn't good for anybody's soul. But when Jesus Christ addressed this issue, he reinterpreted or expanded our understanding of this commandment. You shall not kill. The Bible says in Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, Jesus said to his disciples, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment again anyone who says to a brother or sister that's a really abusive term in Aramaic is answerable to the courts and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of hellfire Jesus is saying anger is a very dangerous issue Um, research will tell you exactly the same thing took this out of the age newspaper Ranting and raging with anger can be just as bad for your health as suppressing your true feelings. The healthy solution, according to the author of a new study, is to confront the source of your anger head on. In another study, researchers found that women who were angry about their marriages spent more days ill than their happily married counterparts. The effects of anger on health is now deemed so important, she says, that how a person handles anger should be part of every health professional's assessment of a new patient. It's such a big deal that if you're going to uh, manager a patient, you ought to understand something about how anger works in their life. And just in case you don't remember what anger looks like, I've got a little video clip that will kind of give you a picture of this, this is what anger can look like. <laughs> Luck. I have a breaking point, you know. Basil! FIFA <laughs> <Iba. laughs> No, 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 This is so that you can hear the bell, so you know in a moment when I ring the bell. You snobs! <laughs> you stupid, stuck up, toffee nosed, half witted upper class piles of. Oh, I'm calling you. You don't stop! Two, three, right, that's it. <laughs> You've tried on just fights too often. Right, well, don't say I have warned you. I've laid it on the line to you time and time again. Right, well, done, this is it. I'm going to give you a damn good trashy. <laughs> But who was I supposed to know? Why didn't you tell me, you half-witch? Why didn't they tell me? You can't blame me for this. Ah, listen, he's, he's out there. He's out. He's flat out. Oh, Lord, yes, I'm coming, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming. I tell you, if the good Lord... is mentioned once more, I shall move you closer to him. Is that what made Britain great? And too for the emil's <laughs> Never mind. You have absolutely no sense of humour, do you? I am so sorry. I am not perfect. But... Shut up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, <clears throat> that's what anger looks like. <laughs> now, I know we're all having a little bit of a laugh, but it's interesting when you show that clip in some situations and you watch around the room, not everybody's laughing because sometimes people live with this. And when you have to live with this, it's just not as funny as it is when Basil Fawlty does it in Fawlty Towers. Fact is, the Bible has a lot to say about anger. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The Bible says in Proverbs 29: A fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Proverbs 14 says: Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. The fact is, anger is a dangerous emotion. And it's damaging not only physically, it's damaging to you mentally and emotionally. And so we need to examine it a little bit tonight, see if we can't learn something from the Bible about how do I handle the issue of anger if it should ever emerge in my life in some infrequent manner sometime down the road. <laughs> the interesting thing anger um, is, comes from the Latin word orge, which means to choke or to strangle. And in fact, Anger does to the blood vessels exactly that. Whenever a person is angry, blood vessels start getting constricted. And that's why anger so frequently leads to heart attacks. It sets a person up for an occlusion. But you can express anger in a whole uh, continuum of ways. If you come to the wild end of the spectrum, uh, there's there's a Greek word for that. Um, the Greek word for the kind of anger that nobody's wondering if you're angry because your face is red and there's froth coming out of your mouth and there's a lot of yelling and screaming going on. The Bible word for that is the word thumos. That's rage. And rage is not only bad for your health, it actually is very, really, really damaging to families. In fact, um, when it happens frequently enough, it creates, it creates what counselors have come to call a rageaholic household. Now, why would they call it a rageaholic household? Because you find a pattern. Whenever there's a home where there's a lot of outbursts of wild yelling and screaming in a home, you'll find that in that home, people living with fear, insecurity, and often an inability to express opinions. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, uh, words that are said have the ability to wound a person for the enti- for a lifetime. Listen to what the Bible says. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. See, outbursts of anger, rage produces a rageaholic household, and the reason the term rageaholic household was coined, because during the 1930s, counselors were beginning to take much more care at looking at the patterns of outcomes of certain behavior. And they noticed that with alcoholic families, you could, de- you, you could be certain, if there is an alcoholic um, uh, parent in a home, that there will be a pattern of consequences for that. You will find in the children, fear, insecurity, the inability to express an opinion, and a whole range of other things. Well, we discovered, that in an, with, with anger, you get exactly the same pattern. They called it rageaholic because it mirrors the same pattern that you'd find in an alcoholic home. But the, the danger amongst churches of Christians is we would be very clear that alcoholism would be a bad idea, but be, but not so clear about the damage that anger could be doing. In fact, when I was a youth pastor, I was uh, caring for a home or a household in which the kids were really being uh, finding it hard to live with their dad and when I had a talk to him about the way he was relating to his kids he told me I'm revealing to my children the wrath of God and I had to say to him no sir you're just a cranky old man this has got nothing to do with you revealing God and, and not only that your pattern of behaviour is damaging your children tragically one after another they all left home early simply because they couldn't bear to be around their father Now, I watched what this did in the home where I grew up. See, my dad was a good man, shared about him on Father's Day. But there were two things about my dad that weren't really helpful for me. The first was he could go silent on me. If I disappointed my dad, he might go silent. But there were occasional times when my dad would blow up in your face and and sometimes so explosively and, and, and so unexpectedly that it was really damaging. And part of it emerged from the fact that my dad was such a good man, he was a moral man, he was a really good teacher and he was a good Christian but his kids kept on doing dumb stuff. Like he'd come home and the police would be in the backyard because I'd shot Russell Simpson in the backside with an air gun or (laughs) there would be be, um, fire brigade engines, half a dozen of them in our street because Alan set fire to the park or the night that I got arrested by the police at home for siphoning petrol out of a police car. Those were, these were, they, they never thought it was funny as you did. Um, <clears throat> these were moments that were, that were shocking to my dad because that was not my dad's life. He was as straight as an arrow. Well, uh, uh, as my younger brothers were growing, they, they seemed to be sinful people too. Because my two younger brothers kind of got into, you know, drugs and motorbikes and there, there was a tragic time. My dad was watching this unfold and it was upsetting him really badly. I had a younger brother. My youngest brother, Neil, fell in love with a girl at school and he loved her so much he'd go to her home every day and carry her books to school for her and he would have loved for her to be his boyfriend. But she had an older boyfriend and he never had that opportunity so he just was like a puppy dog He used to follow around and and just trying to serve her as much as he could one night my little brother was coming home late at night across the park near our home and he could see lights twinkling out there on Belmore road and the closer he got he realized that they were ambulances and police cars and when he got to the scene they were loading the girl he loved into the back of an ambulance she had been killed by a car crossing the road right near our home and my mother said she could hear him screaming in anguish 500 yards away from our home in 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 just in the anguish of the loss of this girl that he loved so much a week later my brothers were had so provoked my dad to anger my father said to my youngest brother in the kitchen one day I wish that had been you It was like a sword thrust. It went through my little brother's heart and pierced his relationship with my dad. And not so long after that, he he, and my other brother, my two younger brothers, packed their bags and left home because that one angry comment had destroyed a relationship and it took a decade to recover it. He didn't recover that relationship until after he'd been arrested by the Commonwealth Police and Uh, come out of the drug scene and some years later went and lived back home with my mum and dad and rebuilt the broken relationship. Now that's what anger will do. You will say things in the heat of a moment that have the ability to destroy a relationship and damage a human life. And what's worse, um, it tends to become uh, the the kind of behaviour that is a learned behaviour. Anger is easily learned as a way of handling issues. The Bible says in Proverbs 19, a man of great, great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. It happens over and over again. It becomes a repeated manner of dealing with life. Um, and I'd have to say, tragically, uh, I learned that in part by growing up in a home where my dad was explosive with me. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. I was chewing out one of my boys, age of 13, in the bedroom one day. I was upset with him and I was chewing him out. And he was backed up against the drawers. And this little 13 year old just stood there and said to me, Dad, you scare the hell out of us. I would never have thought to say that to my father. I would never have said that would never come out of my mouth. But this was one of those kids that just tells you, he holds up a mirror and just shows you what's happening. And when that little guy, my my young son said to me, you scare the hell out of us, Dad, I just instantaneously realised I'm repeating my father's behaviour. And it was a shock. And... And it took all the wind out of myself, all, all the steam went out. And I said to him, well, I'm, I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you, son. I'm trying to be a good father. He said, well, it's not working, Dad. <laughs> and that day, we did something I wish my father had done. We, I just stopped immediately and I sat down on the floor with my son and I said to him, son, I, I think what's happening here is I'm simply doing what I learned. And if this is not helpful for you, and I'm saying this, and it wasn't helpful for me. I felt alienated from my dad till I was in my 30s because I hated those moments. They made me fearful of him. I never knew when it would, you know, some never knew what would press the button. And I said to him, son, I can make this promise to you. This will never happen again. And it never did. I just made a decision. This is, this, I can never repeat this behavior. Well, where'd it come from? I learned it, but I made a decision It had to stop. Let's come back to the diagram again. Let me show you the diagram again. At one end, you've got rage, thumos, outbursts. But you see, anger is on a spectrum. You can go to the wild end of the spectrum, but you can also go to the sneaky end of the spectrum. See, there's a Bible word for that too. It's called paragismos. That's the kind of word that comes out where the Bible says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger. This is the kind of anger it's talking about. It's the kind of sneaky anger where you've got a smile on your face and you say, oh, oh yeah, bless you. But on the inside, you're thinking, I'll kill you one day. One day, I'll get, oh, yeah, I'll settle the score one day. And some people think this is Christian anger, you know. No, 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 Christian anger. ha. <laughs> bless you, buddy. <laughs> I'll just let your tires down in church. Why at church? I'll, just, I'll let your tires down. See, this, this is not Christian anger. This is seething hostility when the, where the Bible says, don't provoke your children to standing up on the inside while they're sitting down on the outside. They're pretending that they're kind of submitting to you, but on the inside, they're wild and they're angry and they're not allowed to explain. It. They're not allowed to talk it out. Oh, yeah, talk to me. I brought you into the world. I'll take you out again. You, you, it's a, you know, I'm your father. Sit down and shut up and I'll tell you what to think when you want to know what to think, you ask me and I'll tell you. It's that, that that attitude that doesn't allow a child to say, I don't feel like it's fair. And that provokes a seething anger where there's no, not allowed to be communication and not allowed to be a processing of anger. And the Bible says, don't go to this end either. It is not the solution. Now, paragizmos is really bad for your health. Seething anger will make you sick over time. It damages relationship. It produces A rebellious heart and a false face. Um, And and it creates landmines. It creates landmines. People can only take so much of seething anger, and then one person steps on that landmine, and boom, they blow up in your face. You see, one of the tragedies, the first murder in the Bible happened because um, there was a boy called Cain who was upset and didn't know how to process his anger his brother didn't realize he was upset they're out in the field I have no idea what was said but suddenly Cain picked up something and bashed his brother to death because his brother stepped on a landmine a seething anger that had not been resolved and when that happened man it not only can damage your character it can not only damage your reputation it can be really really expensive I mean uh, Basil jumps out and starts bashing his car with a, with a stick. I need you to know, Basil, this is not gonna help the car to run. Uh, you're just gonna have another thing to fix at the end of that little exercise. And here's a really a more important issue. It puts you in a dangerous place with God. Um, some people view God as being wrathful and angry. But you gotta understand something, God is very, very slow to anger. The Bible says God is rich in mercy and slow to anger. And anger does not create in God a sense of compatibility or harmony. Um, It's foreign to the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus said this. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus says anger is a really dangerous issue. And sometimes we don't treat it that way. We almost treat it like it's my right to be angry Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 exactly the same thing. You're on dangerous ground when anger's on the agenda for this reason. Listen to what Ephesians 4 says. It says, Be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. When anger is on the agenda, there is a dark spirit that really works well with anger. It kind of meshes with it. And this is one of the most dangerous things that happens in family life, and it can happen in churches. It can happen in business. It can happen anywhere. It can happen in a community. It can happen between people you've never met before that suddenly they're angry, and before you know it, they're doing something which afterward they'll say, I don't know what came over me. Whenever anger is on the agenda, there is a dark spirit would love to hover over that moment and then move in and energize your anger to do something that afterwards you would be appalled at. You'd say, oh, I don't know. What was it that actually came over me? And the reality is you, you need to ask yourself then, Well, if anger is such a serious issue, where does it come from? What, what are the sources of anger? Well, there are four major sources of anger. The first is perceived injustice. Injustice. If you want to see an angry lamb, watch Jesus go into the temple and observe the way God's house was treating visitors. The Bible says... He was so disturbed by the injustice of what was happening there. He made a whip out of cords. And when they saw the look on his face, he started turning over money tables and letting animals out and people were jumping out of windows and doors, anything to get away from him because they realized they had crossed a line and Jesus was angry. What about? Well, he says it in these words. Do you understand what this temple is here for? So, if you go back to 2 Chronicles, at the foundation of the temple, the temple of Solomon, the night before, Solomon had an encounter with God. And there was an extraordinary prayer which he prayed um, and called on the name of the Lord as the temple was, was, was about to be dedicated. And one of the things that he says is, Lord, out there in the world, there are people who don't have a God like we do. And if ever they would be in a a place of trouble and they hear there's a God in Israel and they come to this temple and they they make their request known to you, would you hear from heaven and meet their cry and show them that there is a God in heaven, there is a God in Israel? And uh, that's what the temple was for. All the nations, Jesus said... uh, This temple was intended to be a house of prayer for all nations and you've turned it into a den of thieves. That's injustice. Now that triggers in you and me because we're moral people. If there's any, and by the way, if you don't get angry over injustice, you might not be that, that well because a healthy human soul cannot observe injustice and be unmoved by it. Anger is an appropriate response. Then the question is, how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to process that anger? Um, and it can turn up in really important ways. You see a woman being abused, Ma- anger ought to be a response. I'm not going to stand, I'm put up with that. But you can be standing in a line at the supermarket and someone pushes in in front of you. Hang on, hang on, mate. There's a line here and you, you go push in, you know. This is not fair. And you, you, you might see anger. You see it, in, you see it out, out, out in the freeway all the time. People trying to get in, trying to merge. Blowing their horns at each other. i drunk, man, yeah. Well, I got here first. Yeah, I know, but I'll be here forever if you don't let me in. <laughs> Injustice. That'll produce anger. Second thing that'll produce it is hurt. You do or say something and a person feels like they've been demeaned or made to feel foolish or unwanted, and It hurts you're sitting behind a driver at the red light light changes to green he doesn't move you hit the horn Bam. now you hit the horn to say to him the light's changed mate but he doesn't hear that he feels you blew your horn at me what are you saying Do you call me an idiot think i don't know the lights changed? next thing you know he gets out of his car with a tire iron and starts smashing your windscreen what's he all so angry about yeah you called me an idiot no i didn't i blew my horn yeah yeah you blew your horn you called me an idiot Very dangerous, particularly with men, because men can be pretty touchy about stuff that that they feel, you make a man feel he's an idiot, he can be dangerous. Um, Why? Because he's hurt. The third source is perceived fear. You see a parent who cares for their kids, and some guy comes in with a motorbike, starts revving it around in a playground, and parents will get angry because you're threatening something they love profoundly, and it's an appropriate response. In fact. One of of those healthy expressions of anger is MADD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. A mother lost her son to a drunk driver. Now she could have raged against that for the rest of her life. She focused her anger into a movement seeking to save other people's sons and daughters from ever being lost by a drunk driver as the result of positively directed anger on behalf of a mum. The fourth one is my golf, Um, frustration. I'm trying to get the ball in the hole. In fact, if I get the ball in the hole, I'll feel really good about my game because that'll be a birdie and then I'll, I'll feel good about it. So I do a three-foot putt. i to get in the hole. I do, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. you go, yeah, putt, missed. What the freaking? You give me a bungee. What's the money? What's the anger all about? Frustration. I'm trying to be the master of the universe here and I can't make the thing go in the hole without not in the hole. problem of course with our perceptions perceived frustration it took me two years to deal with that anger appropriately I'd play golf and I'd play a bad shot I'd be so angry I'd say words that aren't written in the bible (laughs) and I had to make a decision if I can't behave better than this I think I need to stop playing this game. and for two solid years I had to deal with my anger well how did you do that it's perceived frustration. It's not really a big deal, Al. They don't pay you for this. <laughs> you, you're, you're here having, having fun, Al. Now, if you come in with an 81 instead of an 80, is in, the, in the big scheme of eternity, how significant is it? And you realize, it. well, it doesn't make a, a, an ounce of difference. Then stop. This is not appropriate now if you're going to be frustrated be frustrated over something significant and so often um, uh, our perceptions about injustice I love getting you're getting on on a plane and someone pushes in the line to get on the plane and I think hey you know buddy I reckon we're all going to leave pretty much about the same time (laughs) you know feel free push in but I I reckon we'll arrive at about the same time too (laughs) It's just not worth being upset about. And often, one of the things we have to do is ask, well, what am I angry about? And how significant is it really? And a lot of the time, it just isn't significant. One of the healthiest ways to deal with this is to laugh at ourselves and let the thing go. Our judgment is so often flawed. And this is why it's so dangerous. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, a man of wrath, stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. But here is the thrilling thing. You can learn to manage your anger differently, and as you do, you'll have a different experience of life, and you'll have a different impact on people. With Jesus in your life, things can go differently. And one of the marks of Jesus in your life needs to be that you have a progressing capacity to deal with your anger appropriately. Listen to what the Bible has to say in Proverbs 15. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath." Ha, I remember coming home. This is one of the most important moments in my marriage. There's lots of important moments. This was one of the most important moments in my marriage. I was in full-time ministry. I'd been out all day saving the world. (laughs) I came home and Helen was cooking at the the stove and she was angry. And the, the reason was I'd said I'd have been home hours before and I wasn't home. And she was upset because she's carrying, looking after kids and she's doing all this stuff and I was supposed to be home and helping and I'm not there. And as a result, she was at the stove and she starts chewing me out. Now, uh, I was incensed because I'm I'm really important, and I'm I was doing really important things, and maybe you didn't know where I was, but Jesus knew where I was, <laughs> and Jesus knew how important it really was, and as a consequence, I started giving her a serve. She got stuck into me. Oh, ha, I'll get stuck into her, so I gave her a serve. Hey, yeah, I tell you what, yeah, I've got a few things to say myself, and I poured out the benefit of my masculine perspective on the situation now being a woman that was not readily received (laughs) and that the way I could tell was that veins begin to throb in her neck and her her face was bright red and now she cranked it up a little and now she's really getting stuck into me well, why is she getting stuck into me? A little volcano has managed to erupt in here. And I just can't wait for her to shut up because I've got, <laughs> got more stuff to say yet. Yeah, I haven't finished yet. i got a whole sermon in here if you want to hear it. <laughs> and I can't wait for my turn. And in the middle of all of that turmoil, God spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you. And what he simply said to me was, how long are you going to keep this up? And instantly I realised I had a choice. A soft answer turns away wrath. And in that moment I realised my Christianity was hanging in the balance. Am I a disciple of Jesus or am I just another Australian pagan who goes to church? And instantaneously I decided to change direction I did a very dangerous thing I moved over closer to her (laughs) exposed myself to serious mortal injury (laughs) and I just quietly said I'm sorry and the moment I said those words it was like a plug had been pulled in my gut and all the angry hot stuff just drained away and instead there was compassion I've upset my wife, I've made her fearful and angry, I have provoked her and this is not good, I'm responsible. I said to her, I'm sorry, can we pray? (laughs) Then I watched her wrestle with what her response was going to be and for the next few moments she just wrestled with that, she had a lot more she could say to pray, I'll give you a pray all right. (laughs) And she simply bowed her head and the moment she did, I put my hands on her and I began to pray and instantaneously there was a massive deliverance. Helen grew up in a home filled with cults and the occult and from time to time, we have had to deal with demons. On that particular day, that anger was being hovered over by an unclean spirit, hoping to turn that moment into a dreadful moment in our life, hoping to provoke me to do something that would disqualify me from ministry, maybe end up in prison. All of that was hanging there in that moment and instantaneously there was this amazing deliverance and we stood there and held each other and, and, we, and I said to her, we are being hunted. We're being hunted. And the solution is not to stand yelling at the devil. It's to give no place to the devil through, through forgiveness. <clears throat> through forgiveness and through love and through peace. And in that moment, we learned like a huge theology on the importance of dealing with anger because the enemy would love to hover over us and use it to destroy our relationship. Listen to what the Bible says. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The Bible says scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. One of the kindest things you can ever do to a loved person, a friend, a neighbor, or an enemy is to help them drain the anger out of their life. A soft answer can do that. Just a soft answer can help them to not have to go one step further in this outbreak of anger. That moment was profound in my life. Now let's wind this thing up. There is one passage in the Bible that sums up all the good advice you can give to people about anger. Let me read it to you because it's from Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but work with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Number one, quit it. Just quit it. One of the lovely things about about being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is not everything requires six sessions of counseling in order to be resolved. Sometimes things do, but there are many times you just need to make a decision I've got to stop. As I said to my boy in that bedroom that day, this will never happen again. I just had to make a decision. Quit it. The second thing, deal with issues quickly. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let things sit and spoil and ferment. Deal with them quickly. Thirdly, communicate truthfully. And if you need a third party to help you communicate truthfully, get one other person involved to help you be able to say what needs to be said so that it's possible to resolve the conflict. Number four, communicate non-destructively. Don't let corrupting, um, accusatory, inflammatory talk. You know the problem with you, you always... no, No, don't go down that pathway. Just tell the truth. Explain to them how you feel and how you'd like this to be resolved. And whatever the source of your anger, bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ, where God dealt with his anger once and for all. He poured out whatever judgment we deserved by taking it to the cross, where Jesus Christ, our Savior, soaked up the wrath of God for my sake, that God might pour out into my life tender hearted, merciful kindness. May the Lord tonight help you to be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving as God in Christ has loved you. If you're here tonight and you are uh, in a marriage and anger has been part of that thing, here's what I want to say to you. You need to allow those who are close to you to tell them how they feel when you relate to them. Don't shoot the messenger. If you can allow people to be quietly honest with you you you've got to let them be able to say this is how i feel on my side of the experience but i'd like it to be different i'd like it to be different hear one another with kindness learn to be gentle and the god of all grace will cause you to grow in the peace of god life will be better and your health will be better father i pray over my friends tonight in jesus name I lift my hands in prayer and I ask you, Lord, where there's been anger that's damaging, could tonight you kindly just come to people's hearts and say, I'm not against you. I want to help you. I'm for you. And I pray that the spirit of grace could open hearts to simply do life better. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Next week, we'll have another one. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.